Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Educated Home Buyer. Everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Educated Home Buyer Live. This is where we answer your mortgage and real estate questions right here on the air on YouTube. We're also streaming on Instagram right now, on Facebook. So if you have questions about real estate, about mortgage, put them in the chat. We're going to start as we always do um, and talk a little bit about inventory, talk about what's happening in the market, and then we'll get into some questions. So start putting your questions in the chat now and we'll get to them as they come up. Now, you might notice things are a little bit different this week. Uh, Josh is not here. He actually got fired. Uh, he wasn't um, obeying the rules. No, um, he's actually not feeling well. So he is sick this week. So we don't have a live mortgage professional on, but I will do my best to answer those questions for you, help guide you in the right direction, and ultimately give you a link if you need to connect with Josh and have more specific questions. We can definitely do that. So with that, guys, we are going to just jump right in and start with some charts. Um, for those of you guys new to this, uh, you know, this episode typically goes on the podcast on Friday. So it's live right now. It'll be on the podcast, The Educated Homebuyer on Spotify, on Apple uh, on Friday. Uh, with that, uh, we the charts that I'm going to be talking about right now, if you're listening to it online and you don't or on on the podcast and you don't have a TV or a television or what have you to be able to see the video, you can actually, there's a link in the description where you can check out the charts that we're actually going to be talking about so that you can get them, look at them if you have additional questions. So with that, guys, we're going to look at the charts that we do every single week. So we always start with inventory. Uh, the new year is 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 one that typically starts with the lowest level of inventory we, we see that year. Um, inventory continues to build off these numbers throughout the entire year. Now, last year was a little bit different in the sense that we started with just over 2,500 properties, but inventory continued to decline pretty much the entire year until November. November, we actually saw inventory climb back over the January numbers, which isn't normal. Normally, we see inventory climb all the way through about mid-summer, I'm sorry, mid and then we start to see it tail off a little bit as we move into the second half of the year. So this year will be interesting. I think we're going to see more inventory. The question is, how much more inventory are we going to see? So here locally, we'll talk about where we started the year, but this chart right here shows that we're currently sitting at 499,000 homes nationwide. So all 50 states, around 500,000 homes. And we'll take a look in just a bit at what that means in context, like where we were prior back in 2015, say a more normal year. Uh, but with that, Orange County sitting at 1,856 homes. If you heard me a moment ago, we started the year last year at just over 2,500 homes. So this year we have 700 less homes on the market here in Orange County. You know, that's the second lowest level of homes that we've started the year with since they started recording in 2004. Very, very little inventory on the market at the moment. 
And with that, nearly 35% of those homes are over two or over two million bucks. So once you factor, you take the two million plus homes out of that, you only have about 1,200 single family homes, townhomes, condos in a county of 3.3 million people, which tells you why it's competitive out there, why we still see multiple offers and things still, you know, when when a good property hits priced correctly, it still moves um, pretty fast. So with that, Huntington Beach sitting at 152 homes, uh, which is a little bit higher than when we started the year, but but not by much. Uh, this is the same chart we just looked at, uh, shows the inventory sitting at 500,000. But what this chart does is goes back a couple of years and shows you prior to the pandemic, 2019, what did a more normal market look like? Well, this time of year, we'd have 800, 50, 900,000, 950, somewhere in that range starting the year. Whereas this year, we're just under 500,000. So about half the inventory we did in a more normal market. This one, new listings. So new listings were, were you know, we had, I think, 37,000 new listings, which the next chart is going to show us here in just a minute. But we're, we're going all the way back to the, the left side of that chart there. And you can see the little red dot you know, that's sitting the, the the line across. That's essentially where we're starting this year. Okay, so inventory, new listings, a little bit higher than they were last year, a little bit higher than when we ended the year, which, which is a positive thing. You need new listings to come to the market for inventory to increase. Um, with that, we often talk about things like the silver tsunami, you know, the, the boomers coming to the market, how that's going to flood inventory, distress sales, foreclosures. Unless you see a huge spike in that new listings data, and it continues to go up for you know a, an extended period of time, you're not going to see inventory increased in any meaningful way. This is the chart that's going that you're going to see it on first, right? So if you're looking at this chart and you're seeing inventory just kind of bounce, new listings bounce where they were last year, maybe a little bit higher, a little bit lower than the year prior, you're not seeing a flood of inventory. You need inventory to climb and stay there for an extended period of time in order to see inventory really grow. Weekly new listings here, um, again, same chart, a little bit different view, just shows that 36,000 36, new listings, which is 9% more than the same time last year. Um, and you can see where we were in previous years with regards to inventory, how it grew, and you can see we're sitting at much lower levels. Taking back a look from comparing it to last year, same week, uh, we saw inventory go from 513 to 499. Actually, that's this week. Sorry. We saw inventory go from 513 to 499. Last year, same week, we went from 490 to 471. So we have a little bit more inventory on the market. Rates are a little bit higher, a little bit less demand out there, probably because rates and affordability are still a problem, uh, which is why inventory is a little bit higher, in, in my opinion. Inventory bottom was in 2022, sitting at 240,000 homes. The peak last year was at 569,000. And then for context, back in 2015, this time of year, we'd have roughly 960,000 homes on the market. Pendings. So 247,000 single family homes in contract, which is just over 4% more than the same time last year. Why? Rates moving down, buyers worrying about rates going higher again, missing out on an opportunity, probably why people are jumping at that. Um, 36,000 new contracts, which was 13% more than this time last year. Percent of properties with price reduction. So the normal range is somewhere between 30 and 35%. Um, you can see at the moment, we're sitting 
just, I think just below that, we'll see it here on this chart. We're sitting right now at 32.8%. So in a normal market, you would have about one third of properties doing some sort of price reduction. So seeing a property reduced isn't out of the norm. It's just when rates are high, demand is low, that sort of thing draws attention. It gets the headline because it's, hey, the seller can't sell their house. They have to sell it. The market has to crash. Whatever the context is or whatever they're trying to make it look like, it's like, hey, these sellers, you know, everybody is 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 reducing their home to sell it. No, they're not. In a normal market, one third of people are doing it. At the moment, one third of people are doing it. So this is normal. Um, this same time last year, 36, almost 37% of people were doing some sort of price reduction. Back in 2022, when you had a crazier housing market, only 23%, right? Less inventory, uh, lower rates, more demand, that, that sort of thing was driving the market at that time. Uh, the big news for this week is CPI. So CPI comes out on Thursday, tomorrow. Um, these are the predictions of, you know, different entities out there and what they expect to happen on headline and core CPI. So what we're doing is we're replacing on the headline CPI, we're replacing a 0.1 from last December. So if you look at this and you say that headline Bank of America, Bank of America is expecting a 0.3 basically to come on. Well, if that's replacing a 0.1, cause they round up right? They round up or round down in these numbers, then inflation is going to go from 3.1 to 3.3. Okay. And that's essentially what the market is predicting more or less across the board. So you've got most, most of these companies thinking that we're going to come in somewhere around 3.3%, which is a little bit higher on the headline, but they're expecting the core to actually come down a little bit. So the question is, what does that do to interest rates? Well, the Fed typically looks at the core, right? That's that's what they focus on. So I would say as long as things are in line with what comes out, then the market's going to take it in stride. And essentially, you probably won't have a huge reaction either way because the market's more or less predicting it. Now, what happens is if we have a beat better than expected on these numbers, that's where you see you know, a big move in the 10-year. That's where you see a bigger move in rates. And the opposite is also true. If you see a miss and headline CPI jumps or core CPI jumps substantially over what they're thinking, then we see the market go the other direction. Uh, but these forecasts have been pretty accurate over the last year or so. So I would expect the numbers to come in somewhat um, somewhat close to these numbers, uh, which will you know, lead the market uh, you know, from there, if you will. So, you know, we're expecting the numbers to come in, as we just mentioned, if that happens, rates will likely pull back a little bit, um, especially if we get that beat. So that's, that's what we're hoping for. Is it realistic? Yeah, it's realistic, but I, I wouldn't count on it. I mean, if I were in a position where I needed to lock, I probably would have locked today and not, and not played the cards here, but we will see. So this is looking at that CPI on a month to month basis. So if you look at December, that's a 0.1 coming off. You're replacing it with, in theory, what they're thinking is a 0.3. So if a 0.3 comes on, which would be higher than anything we've seen going all the way back to September, um, then there's a chance that that headline goes up a little bit. But that will that will be determined tomorrow. And then Friday we have PPI. PPI is what what it costs to make a good. CPI is what consumers are paying for the goods. So 
PPI is another potential market mover on Friday, depending on where that number comes in. So ideally we have beats on both and that helps the market, you know, kind of continue in this trend that we've seen over the last couple of months. So, you know, we often talk about owners versus renters on, on the channel here on the Educated Home Buyer podcast. It's a chart I found interesting, just kind of shows you different income levels, net worth versus a renter net worth in that case. Obviously, there's exceptions to every rule, but there's a reason that homeowners have a 40 times greater net worth than those are renters. It's because it's largely tied up in real estate um, at, at that time of retirement, which you can see kind of uh, is dictated by these numbers here. So with that, guys... I'm sorry, Josh isn't here. You guys probably wanted all the technicals, all the, you know, break down the 25 minute talk on, you know, all of this stuff versus question answering, but we're going to get into it tonight and answer questions like we do. So with that, guys, start putting your questions in the chat, um, you know, and, and I'll get to them as they come up the best I can. And uh, we'll see where we'll see where this takes us. So if you're new here, we also have an educated home buyer podcast, right? So this is my channel. Um, the podcast is Josh and I both taking a deep dive into mortgage and real estate related topics. We just did our 2024 housing forecast posted uh, yesterday. It's doing really well out there. So if you're interested in our take on what happens to rates, what happens to prices, what happens to transactions, just the overall market, Go check it out. You can watch the video here on YouTube, or you can go to Spotify and Apple and listen to the podcast. And if you find any value, guys, subscribe to the channel, share it with a friend, like it. That's how you know you can support us um, in doing the work that we do. We do everything we do here is basically free, um, just to serve and provide value. And uh, you can help us accomplish our goals by um, by liking, subscribing, and sharing that stuff. And with that said, if you're not subscribed here, please do that as well. So, flash of light comes in with the first question tonight and says, have accepted offers started to meet or exceed the listing price in Orange County with 1.5 to $2 million. So unfortunately, I don't, well, I do have a buyer at the moment that's looking in the 1.5 to $2 million mark. The caveat is they can't find a, a listing on the market that meets what they're looking for. So um, we haven't been right making offers on properties. There's just not a lack, there's a lack of properties. In the, in the markets that they're looking in, I believe there's six homes on the market. Right. And and out of those six, there's just very little options. Um, but I would say the higher end of price points is where things start to get a little bit slower. Uh, you know, earlier in the video, I mentioned 35% of the inventory here in Orange County is above 2 million bucks. Uh, with that, uh, that 35%, only 13% of buyer demand is looking for homes above 2 million. So in that, in that instance, you have more supply of homes then you actually have demand. So that's a softer market. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a buyer's market that you can go out and make some crazy offer, but it does mean that there's more listings out there than there are buyers. Now, understand some of these homes are 10 million, 15 million, 20 million, $30 million. That's, most people can't buy that, right? So that's a very small percentage of people. The homes that are closer to 2 million are probably gonna get more activity than the homes that are higher priced, which would make sense. The same thing for lower price points. Here in Orange County, under a million dollars is below the median home price. The median home price in Orange County is $1.1 million at the moment. And so if I think it's 33, 34% of the homes on the market are under $1 million, okay? 
But with that, you have 53 or 54%, I believe, of the buyer demand going after those properties. So in that case, you have way more buyer demand than you have supply, which means multiple offers, competition, but the home has to be priced right. So that's what you got to think about. If a home's priced right in this market, it's probably selling relatively quickly. Uh, but also understand it's a, it's a quieter time of the year. This is not a time of the year where you would see a crazy market. And, and so right now, it's pretty normal for what we're seeing based on the inventory out there. Hopefully that's helpful. What does refinance without closing mean? Um, without closing, I, I don't understand the question. <clears throat> Maybe without closing costs. So there are instances where you, uh, your lender can cover closing costs on a loan. Um, you know, that by using a credit, maybe, you know, you pay a little bit higher rate, get a little bit of money, um, from the yield spread back that you can use towards closing costs. In fact, that's what happened with me. Um, as many of you guys know, I bought a new house. Um, my rate was 7%. I was able to refinance before my first payment was due. Actually, it not true. I just made the first payment because it was due in January. Uh, but my loan docs, I signed them tomorrow and I'm getting a six and a half percent. So my rate dropped half a percent from the time that I closed on my property in November and now, um, and there was enough money there, even at the six and a half percent that I could use that and not have any closing costs. So I'm, this, this loan essentially cost me nothing to do. Um, now I did have to pay some money because there's interest and, and that sort of thing, but it's money that I would have paid either way, but that's a conversation for another day. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, if I didn't explain it clearly and you have a different question, let me know in the comments below. <clears throat> oh boy. Uh, Gerald uh, coming in with a comment. Irvine is still hot. Recently saw a home in Portillo Springs that listed in mid-December and closed on January 4th and above asking. I was shocked. Not shocked. Um, hot market. Uh, Irvine's very desirable. Not a lot of inventory. Um, as I just mentioned, you know, the, the, the fact is you've got more buyers out there than you have supply, which means if things are priced right, they're still going to move in this environment. Um, even with rates last year at 8%, we didn't see a peak here in inventory until November, right? As rates started to come back down again. Um, so even as rates peaked above 8%, 23-year highs, inventory was still lower than it was to start the year. So you need more supply on the market in order to get prices to soften, uh, which I don't think is going to happen this year. All right. Uh, Luis. <clears throat> What do you think of taking money out of a 401k for a down payment on a house? I believe it could be a good option, but it depends, right? What is your goal? And I would never cash out my 401k, uh, but you could take a loan from your 401k to borrow the money for a down payment, which could make sense because essentially when you're repaying that money, you're just repaying yourself um, through the process. Now, the question is, what is the stock market going to do? How much money are you going to make in that 401k over the next, you know, 12, 24, 36, however long it takes you to repay it versus how much is a home going to appreciate in this environment? Don't, not really something that you have to weigh or consider, but something that people talk about. Uh, but I think if you don't have the money for a down payment, it's a reasonable option, but just make sure you check with your employer, check, you know, um, how it works, make sure you're not getting any, you know, so you're not going to have any tax consequences, that sort of thing. If you have a financial planner, good person to talk to about it. Uh, but it is a reasonable option. Um, you just need to figure out 
Okay, based on that, how much is that loan to repay it going to be every single month? And does that make sense financially? Can you pull it off? So that's where I would start if I were considering that. Uh, Joyce says, no, Josh today. No, Josh is not here. He's not feeling well. Uh, so it is me solo, which means my voice is probably going to go out, which I'm already having an issue with at the moment. All right, guys. Um, let's see. Mina says I'm doing great. Thank you, Mina. Um, <clears throat> all right. So Willing says, can you explain uh, Josh's rule about dividing 125? So people often ask, when does it make sense to refinance? Um, is there some sort of calculation that I can do? Josh, my lender, who's typically on the show, for those of you who are new here, um, has a rule that he kind of abides by, if you will, and tells people that this is a, a general rule, not, not a hard, fast rule every time, but a general rule of when it makes sense to refinance. And the idea is that you take your current or you take 125000 and you divide it into your current loan amount. And that's how much you need to save in order for a refinance to make sense on the property. Now, with that, how much you're paying in closing costs, all of that stuff comes into the calculation, right? So this is just a general rule. But say, for example, you have a loan amount of $500,000. You divide $125,000 into five hundred, dollars uh, and you're going to need to save, what, half a, half a percent? in order to make that make sense. Okay, so if you can save half a percent on that loan, then it's going to make sense to refinance. Now, in the sense, in the case that you have a $125,000 loan, you divide that by 125 or 125 into 125, you need to save a full percent in order for that refinance to make sense. Now, the higher your loan amount, the, the, the smaller the move in rates actually make sense. So if you have a million dollar loan, that's an eighth of a percent you have to save in order for that refinance to actually make sense in refinancing. So hopefully that makes sense. If you need a professional to talk to, you want to talk to Josh, or maybe you're in another state and want to talk to a real estate agent or a mortgage professional there that can do a calculation for you. There's a link scrolling at the bottom of the screen now where you can go to it. Um, again, not a hard, fast rule but a general rule. And I would I would talk to a professional. Don't get on Google and, and, and Google refinance. Refinance my home. You're going to get a bunch of crap, a bunch of garbage. Talk to somebody that you know, like, and trust that can guide you through that process. And that link is a good place to start if you don't have someone. All right. Um, <clears throat> so Tarot Wheezy says... Post to get our keys on January 15th. Now the, the builder said January 26th. Our rate was locked until the 15th. Can we try to renegotiate the rate since they're the ones who didn't meet the date or can we do anything? So here's what I would say. Uh, I don't know for certain, but if you got the loan through the builder's lender, there's a really good opportunity or a really good chance that they'll probably extend it for you um, because they are you know, uh, in bed, if you will, with with the lender there, uh, they work together. In most cases, there's probably some grace there. If you went outside of the builder's lender and got your own loan through someone else, then you need to you need to talk to the builder and, and tell them what's going on um, and see if there's a solution there. I would say if it's on them, there's a chance. But my guess is the contract that you signed from the builder basically 
allows them to get out of this scenario. There's probably something in there that, hey, if we don't close on time, we're not responsible for that. But that's something you have to determine because I haven't seen the contract. But I would start, you know, depending on where you where you got your loan, um, I would have that conversation first and then contact the builder and see if there's any options out there for you. Uh, Muriel, 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 we're going to go with that. Is it good time to look at just market value compared to list price? Is the true value of the home to make sure we are not getting, we are not paying too much. So you're always going to look at the market value of a home, regardless of the list price, right? List price is what you see online, but it's your agent's responsibility to figure out what the market value of that home in theory is, right? You can have a home listed for 500,000 that's worth a million or worth 250,000. I mean, I'm giving very wide ranges here and, and being unrealistic in the numbers, but the list price means very little. Uh, it's, it's your responsibility, your agent's responsibility to do some homework and figure out what you believe that home is worth based on comparable sales, sales that have sold in the last three months. Um, six months is going back a little far because rates were a little bit, well, I, I don't know where rates were then, uh, but rates were different than they are now. So that affects how, how people re, you know, buy and sell homes too. So you want to find a, as many cells that are close to that property, comparable in bedroom size, bathroom, square footage, location, all of that in the closest time frame. Now, in some cases you have to go back a couple of months, but that's what you want to do to figure out the value of a home versus looking at the list price. The list price matters, but you're always going to do the homework to figure out what you think it's worth when you make your offer, or you should be doing that. All right. Uh, let's see, guys. It's almost 5.30. If you haven't done so, hit the thumbs up. If you find any value in the content that I put out here, if you support the channel, I would appreciate it. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, you just watch the videos every week and don't subscribe, consider subscribing. It's 2024. It's a new year. Be nice and um, and help me hit my goal of 100,000 subscribers. I'm like 3,800 short or something. Um, would love to do it. Uh, my kids really want the silver play button, right? So we're going to give them the silver play button when we get it and uh, they'll be stoked. So you can help me help my kids. Think of it like that. All right. <clears throat> uh, Taro comes in and says, also, if our new construction doesn't appraise for the purchase price, can we back out of our contract? And I, I would say there's probably something in there that that allows you to get out. I mean, you, I'm assuming you have some sort of appraisal contingency on your contract. You should, uh, you know, um, even on new construction. But here's the thing. New construction, I'm going to say always appraises. You're not going to have an issue with it appraising. Uh, they have enough data to support the prices that they're putting out there in those cases. I've never seen new construction not appraised. So I don't think that's going to be a, a problem. What all costs could be able to move towards closing costs to reduce the monthly mortgage payment? What's your opinion about escrow account? Is it advisable to include more amount in it? So what all costs could be, could be able to move towards closing costs to reduce the monthly mortgage payment? So can't really reduce, I mean, your monthly mortgage payment is your principal interest, taxes, and insurance, your mortgage payment. You can't move any of that. That's what you pay every single month. Uh, now, you can, in some cases, have an impound account, which is escrows, right, where you have an escrow account where you pay your taxes and insurance every single month with your mortgage payment. So when you make your mortgage payment, 
They're putting money into a separate account so that when your tax bill is due, when your insurance bill is due, basically the money comes out of there and gets paid. Now, depending on the type of loan you're doing, how much money you're putting down, you have some people have an option of not doing an impound account or an escrow account um, where you keep that money separate. So that would be the only time that you can move money outside of the mortgage payment uh, that you're going to pay. Is it advisable to do it? Depends on who you are. If you're, you know, the last year or so, we've seen um, interest rates at five, six, seven percent, depending on what you're putting money into out there in the market. If you have a large tax bill, it may make sense to keep that money and invest it over that period of time so that you can make a little bit of money on that money. But for most people, their tax bill isn't that high and they're not getting five, six, seven percent on their money. They're getting two percent, one percent, if even that on their money. And so, you know, I, I like paying it every month as part of my mortgage payment. That way I don't have to worry about it. That way I don't get a bill for fifteen thousand dollars at the end of the, you know, saying my taxes are due. It's just, hey, it's paid every month. I don't have to think about it. You know, the money that I might make off of it isn't enough to uh, to deal with the headache of budgeting that money, putting it somewhere separate, what have you. So to each his own, but you have to make sure that whatever you're doing with regards to your loan, you actually meet those guidelines to be able to avoid doing that. Uh, willing ask, would I ever invest in gold or silver? No, I wouldn't. Um, I find no value in it at all. Um, I have a mentor that buys gold every year. Um, I just, yeah, no, not for me. Not for me. Um, let's see. Like in the new house, new house is good. Fits the mold, what we're looking for. Uh, gives us an additional bedroom. Gives us everything we're looking for. It's It's been good. It's been a good move. Glad we did it. Um, no regrets. All of that good stuff. So, And we've been able to refinance and lower our payment. It's almost 400 bucks. We're lowering our payment in just that period of time. So um, it's, it's nice that the market kind of cooperated like that. Uh, Darren, if you list your home and don't get an offer you're willing to accept after, say, 90 days and you take it off the market, do you still owe a commission to the listing agent? No, typically not. Um, typically, the contracts work. At least here in the state of California, or how I've you know done contracts is you don't you know if your home doesn't sell you don't owe me any money. I only get paid as transactions happen. So um, that's g typically how things work. So let's just say that. Uh, another one here saying I'm expecting to receive a three thousand dollar realtor credit towards my closing costs. However, my overall closing cost is being covered by the seller credit. What costs do you suggest to include towards closing? to uh I'll basically so to use the the $3000 credit. Um you know you can you you can actually get money back at closing. You can't get more money back than you put into the transaction. Um so in some cases you could actually get that $3000 credit back um at you know at closing depending on how the loan's structured, but you know if you have an HOA, you might pay you know, $3,000 with the HOA dues in advance. Um, there's things that you can do to use that money uh, to help you, you know, uh, use it versus it going to waste, if you will. You could pay down the principal on the loan. There's there's a couple of different things you could do, but um, talk to your lender and 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 I'm sure they can come up with something to uh, to use that money, money towards. Um, Claudia says, why is my lender charging me $13,000 for HUD? Can I opt out of this thing called HUD? Would it be best to try a different lender? So 
I'm not sure what you're getting charged. Um, HUD is the housing and urban development. It's it's uh, uh, like an entity that is overseen, um, you know, housing and and what have you. Often affiliated with you know FHA to some regard. Uh, can you opt out? I, I don't know what you're being charged and what we're opting out of. So very hard for me to answer. Um, I would try to get an explanation of, of what it is you're being charged. Uh, ask them if you can opt out of it, ask them what that fee is being used towards. And then, yeah, talk to another mortgage pro and, and see if they're charging the same thing. Find out what it, what that fee is, why you're being charged it. Um, <clears throat> what's better? Uh, pay an extra $200 towards the mortgage each month or just make one extra payment at the end of the year. So pay double for one last month. Would What would pay off your principal fastest? So it, it doesn't matter um, it, how you do it. So if, if, the, if the amount is the same, I mean, if you pay $200 each month, that's $2,400 versus $2,000 at the end of the year, right? Um, or, or I guess in that case, you're paying the same. So it depends. It, it doesn't matter, right? So if you if you pay $200 a month or $2,400 in one payment, as long as you specify that that money is going toward the principal on that loan, it will pay it off the, the same um, exact way uh, unless you're able to pay it off all $2,400 up front, then that might affect the the overall payment a little bit and um but no, it doesn't really matter unless you recast the loan right so paying two hundred dollars a month isn't going to change anything um in a substantial way um and or paying twenty four hundred dollars at one time that's it's not going to make sense to recast your loan at that point either so it's the same thing sorry i just rambled for a minute and came up with the same answer that i started with uh, if you want to buy in another state, do you hire? Do you have to hire a local agent or a local agent in your state can do the process? So typically you want to work with an agent that's local to that market. Um, they know the market. They understand the market. They're the, the expert, if you will. So if you were, you know, uh, here in Southern California, where I'm located here in Orange County, and you said, hey, Jeb, I wanted to buy a house in Nevada uh, or, you know, Arizona. I would say I'm not your guy. Like I will refer you to a professional there that I know, like and trust that can guide you through that process, but I'm not your guy. I can't give you the advice you need. I don't know the market well enough to be able to help you negotiate prices and understand what the market's doing. You need someone local on the ground to do that. Um, and agents have to be licensed in the other state the, of doing business in order to do that. So most agents aren't licensed in multiple states. Uh, so you would need an agent that is. Uh, so just, you know, I, I would I would recommend going with an agent that's local to that market that understands it. Uh, and if you don't have one, that link at uh, scrolling will, will get you one. Um, last month, there were about six single family homes under one million in my city. Right now, there are exactly zero. What can I expect to see them back on the market? Hard to say. Derek, where are you located? Are you here local? Um, if so, let me know where. But I mean... Depends on your market, right? If the median home price here in Orange County is 1.1 million, homes under 1.1 million are likely going to move fast because they're under the median home price uh, versus homes that are 1.5 or 2 million. They might sit a little bit longer, which they're probably not going to, but they could because they're above that median and less buyers in that price point, typically speaking. Uh, Aslan says, how would you advise a buyer willing to place 
a lower offer to the seller? Is there a general rule on how low a buyer should offer based on our asking price or the property tax assessment? So property tax assessment means absolutely nothing. Uh, zero. Um, you need to base it off comparable sales. So if a home is listed for 500000 and the house down the street that is comparable in, in size and location and everything sold for 500000 then if your home's been on the market for six months, that doesn't mean you can go in and offer, you know, substantially less. You've got a comp that shows what the home just sold for. So you have to find out why. Why is it not selling? Is it something wrong with the property? Is there something else going on? Is it the overall market? When the overall market affects condition and you've got less buyer demand out there than, than you have supply of homes, that's when you can get a little bit more aggressive on offers. Most markets aren't there yet. Um, and I don't expect them to be there. I don't think we're we're headed for that market. But as far as the general rule rule goes, there's not one. Um, what are you comfortable offering uh, within a reasonable amount? I mean, I've seen buyers be unreasonable and 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 come up with just throw a, a number out there that they want to to get the home at to see if it works. Typically, doesn't work. I mean, if you, if you're the listing agent, if you hire me as your agent to list your home, and somebody makes some bullshit offer. You know, it's my job as the listing agent, as the person you hired to tell you what your home is worth and say, this is a reasonable offer or it's not reasonable. Just because a home's been sitting on the market longer than normal and it's not selling doesn't mean the home is severely overpriced. You you have to understand you're, you're in a slower time of the market. This is normal for this time of year. A, a home selling in a weekend or a week isn't normal. I think the average days on market here in Orange County at the moment is still about 50 days. It's the average. Now, some homes sell in two, but not every home does. So uh, you have to just figure out what the comps are, what you think it's worth based on those comparables, and then make a reasonable offer based on that. Now, your agent should be able to guide you in that process somewhere, but there's not a there's not a hard, fast rule. Um, Let's see. Escott uh, purchased back in March 2023 at 5.99 rate and $530,000. How low should rates go drop for the best time to refinance? So as we explained earlier, you need to take your loan amount, divide 125 into that loan amount, 125,000 into that loan amount, which in this case, you would need to save just over 5%. I'm sorry, just over half a percent on the rate in order for it to make refinance, uh, refinancing make sense. So you need a rate somewhere around five and a half percent or lower in order for that refinance to probably make sense. But again, have a conversation with a, with a professional, let them run the numbers for you. All, you know, how much you're paying closing costs, all of that factors in to that decision. So it's not just, Hey, it meets this rule. It's good to go. If the lender's charging you two points to do that, no, it doesn't make sense, right? So you've got to factor all that stuff in and then get a comparison. Talk to somebody else, run the numbers, always pay attention to box A on the loan estimate. That is where you can see how much you're being charged for that loan, okay? So if you can, if you got a lender telling you, hey, this is a, a no point, no cost loan, but they're charging you fees in box A, then it's not a, it's not a no cost loan. But in the case that they're charging you some fees, on, on there, but you're also getting a credit, say from the yield spread on, on the rate that you're taking that offsets that, then you have to factor all these things in. But as, if you're working with a professional, it should be an easy conversation um, and uh, an easy decision in that case. 
Uh, Mina purchased a new construction that is de- that is supposed to be delivered in July-ish. Loan amount is assuming me putting 15% down. I may be able to get 20% down by July. When is it too late to adjust my loan estimate monthly payment? You could go all the way up until, you know, 15, I mean, 30 days before closing. Once your loan gets in, your, your, uh, your loan gets approved, you could still make adjustments up until you get uh, your final uh, closing disclosure, until you get to that final process. So you got plenty of time to make a decision. No rush there. All right. Let's see. Arrow says, uh, again, talking about new construction, if something comes up before closing and you're $1,500 short on closing cost, will the builder work with you or help out just to close the deal? Or will we have to pay the $100 fee per day? The builder's not going to work with you in most cases, right? You need, it's your responsibility to come up with the closing costs. So, you know, Again, I could be wrong, um, but I would imagine most sellers, most especially builders, um, you know, most builders still have a lack of available inventory out there. Although you hear stories about craziness where, you know, overbuilding and all that, most of these contractors aren't spec building a, a ton of homes. So with that, depends on the builder, right? If they got a ton of supply, they may work with you to get it closed. If they have no supply and there's a list of people ready to buy in there, they might kick you to the curb. Uh, but again, conversation to have with your lender to see if there's a way to come up with $1,500, reduce fees in any way to make it make sense. Um, <clears throat> Willing says, can spouses who aren't on the loan gift their spouse funds to help close or is that not allowed? Um, yeah, you can get a gift from anybody um, that is family, uh, if you will. So you should be able to get a gift, but it's got to be documented. You got to show where it came from. You got to paper trail it. Shouldn't be a problem um, in um, uh, in making it happen now. Uh, yeah. 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 That's sorry. I was thinking something else, but yes, shouldn't be an issue. All right. Kelly says, how soon can you refinance after closing? Is it best to wait six months? Any advice on refinancing advice heading into 2024? So you can refinance as soon as it makes sense to refinance after closing. Um, Like I said, closed in November. I'm currently signing my loan docs tomorrow to refinance. It's been less than two months. Um, Now, what I will say is that you have to pay attention to your lender, right? Your lender typically gets paid uh, by, by, by the, the the rate that they sell you on the loan in most cases, right? So what happens is they get paid. If you refinance that loan within the first six months, that lender typically has to pay that 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 commission back uh, to the company that they got it from. Okay, so if you refinance within six months with another lender, you could be screwing the first lender that you went with. Now, I'm refinancing with the same lender that I did my loan with, in fact, they reached out to me to do the refinance um, and they clearly don't have that rule. So in this case, I'm good to go. But if you care about your lender, um, they did a good job. If you're considering refinancing, reach back out to the person that did your loan and just tell them where you are and see if there's a way to work together so that nobody gets screwed in uh, in, 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 in refinancing uh, 
that long. So, all right. Uh, living in Vacaville, uh, I would imagine this gentleman is a real estate agent. We will see. Have you ever heard of an insurance company coming to a home unannounced and doing an inspection and say, do the repairs or we may not renew your home insurance? Happened to me. So I have not. Um, I have never heard of an insurance company actually coming out. I do know occasionally insurance company will come out, but it's not unannounced um, to look at things, especially in like high fire areas, uh, areas that are, um, you know, communities that are known to have older electrical panels, that sort of thing. They might come out and check, say, Hey, does this property have that? Is it at risk of, of something else? It may require it to be uh, changed out before insuring the property. I've seen that sort of thing, but never anybody coming unannounced that uh, that would be, that would be crazy. All right. Um, let's see. Um, more. Oh, here we go. Uh, another agent that I know here. Uh, she's up in Reno. Uh, just says yes on the insurance company. Just had this happen to a client. So crazy. So, you know, insurance companies. There's a lot going on right now in the insurance industry. Uh, here in California, we had multiple. Um, companies that used to do insurance, property insurance, leave the state. Um, you know, in talking to my insurance agent that I do a lot of business with and refer a lot of people to, essentially, my understanding is that for the better part of five years, there have been regulations uh, that that haven't allowed these insurance companies to really raise rates. Um, so these insurance companies have been losing money, both on the auto side as well as the home insurance side, and so. I, my assumption is that it it just changed at the end of this year. And so now these companies can 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 up their policies or up their amounts, their premiums. And with that, you've seen a lot of these companies jump. I mean, my car insurance jumped considerably. Um, homeowners insurance jumped a little bit, but it's because they've now been allowed to do that. And on top of that, some of these companies just said, you know what, we're leaving the state altogether. We're just not making enough money to make this make sense. And so the fact that they are going and doing inspections now kind of fits with the same idea that they're, you know, being overprotective just to make sure they're not putting themselves in a position where they're having to pay out some large, um, you know, insurance policy if something goes wrong. So more or less a protection on their side. All right, guys, 141 of you watching on YouTube at the moment. Um, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button. Um, you know. Thumbs up helps the channel. Also, I would appreciate that. All right, let's see what we got. So, uh, Lady, Lady, Lady Lara, Lady Lara, Realtor says, uh, "Where did I? I just I missed another option is getting a HELOC instead of refinancing. A HELOC could be an option for you. Um, you know, depending on what your rate is on your first. So you just got to factor that in, right? I mean, at the moment." Home equity lines. I haven't looked at home equity lines personally here for for a period of time, but last time I looked at home equity lines, we were looking at like eight and a half percent on a equity line. As the Fed starts to shift, uh, some point during 2024, it starts to lower the Fed funds rate. That interest rate is also going to come down on the home equity line. So home equity line could be a, a good option if you have a low interest rate on the first. Um, if your interest rate is, you know. On the higher side, you know, six, seven percent, then it, it may not make sense to do the home equity line. It may just make sense to refinance the whole thing, um, depending on what type of loan you're doing. Um, FHA and VA, 
you know, I saw rates today in the mid 5% on those um, and you're able to streamline them, you know, so which means no appraisal, no income documentation. I mean, it's a pretty easy process. So, it, you know, if you're doing either of those loans, that could make sense. Conventional rates are a little bit higher, I think, as of today, depending on the type of loan, your credit, all that stuff. Interest rates are trading somewhere at six and a half, six point seven five percent 6.75%. So I'm sure you can get them lower um, if you're perfect A plus borrower, but that's that's kind of the numbers I was looking at. All right. Um, what do we got? Uh, Rickless Cage says, is it harder to get a lower interest rate than conventional on jumbo loans? Is it harder to get a lower interest rate on conventional or jumbo loans? Is that is that what we're discussing? So conventional is typically going to have lower rates than jumbo. Um, I know some lenders out there specialize in jumbo products. And depending on the type of loan you're doing, you might be doing an adjustable and that sort of thing. And sometimes they can get aggressive on these products, especially if they're portfolio loans. You might see a little bit better rate on some of these things. Um, but I would say overall, conventional loans are going to offer a better opportunity. Um, depending on, you know, all of the factors that go into it. Uh, Lady Laura followed up and said, she's in Florida, likes my content. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate uh, the support uh, you watch in the channel, as well as the comment. I, um, you know, I do this because I want to educate and guide people through the process. It's a big decision. There's a lot to understand and you're not really taught this stuff, right? Unless you go out and personally learn it, you, you're not really taught how to do it. So that's really what the channel is about. So anytime people give feedback on that, I like to say thank you. All right. Um, you know, again, Helen's coming up with another insurance question asking about Florida. A lot of insurance companies pulled out. People are saying they're losing their homes because the insurance is quadrupled on them and some canceled. So Florida is a different animal um, in the sense that it's natural disaster prone, right, with hurricanes and that sort of thing. So insurance companies and because it's been, quite frankly, years, um, I don't know the number before you've had any major uh, disasters there, the likelihood of something happening you know, goes up every year, right? Because it's it, it's only a matter of time before you see something else go through. So these insurance companies are trying to avoid that from happening, right? And how can they avoid it? They can charge more uh, or they get out of the state entirely, uh, which again, creates other issues just because there's less people out there doing it. So not an easy answer. I don't know the Florida market well enough, but I do know that insurance is a problem because of, of those natural disasters. Same thing here in California. If you're in a high fire zone, that sort of thing, that can be a bigger issue as well. It can also impact how much you're paying on that, uh, that insurance every single month. All right. Where are we at? So are we done? That was all the questions. We're done. We're, we're finished. Kind of going back up here just a little bit. Uh, S. Scott said he found a builder in NorCal who's offering incentives uh, and have bought rates down potent for potential buyers. Surprised to hear that. Yeah, pretty normal uh, for, a, for a, a, a builder to either have bought a lot of uh, rate locks, if you will, at lower rates to offer them to buyers and or doing incentives to drive, you know, to, to buy down rates in order to entice buyers. At the moment, I think I saw a chart. I don't remember the exact number. It came out yesterday, but I believe it's like 25% of the current inventory is new construction. So one out of four homes on the market is new construction at the moment. 
And so, you know, builders have a lot of control because there's not a lot of existing inventory out there. Buyers just don't have a lot of options to choose from. And a lot of them gravitate towards new construction, especially when these builders are offering opportunities to buy down rates because, yeah, the price might be higher than the existing home would have been, but because the rate is being bought down, sometimes a percent, percent and a half, 2%, we've seen it, the payment is 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 a f- more affordable because it ends up being a lower monthly payment, even though the price might be a little bit higher. And builders are in the business of making money and selling homes. They're not in the business of holding on to these properties. So they've got to do whatever it takes in order to make that happen. Uh, Matt, uh, Matty's on here. Matt shows up often. Matt's trying to take my job. He just got licensed. So Matt, there's an available, there's an, a, a seat available. Josh didn't show up this week. So he was fired. Uh, so there's an opportunity, if you will, for uh, for two realtors to, to chat. Let me know if you're interested. You can jump on here. We'll uh, we'll talk. No, in all seriousness, Josh should be back next week. Um, if he's not, uh, then he's been he's been uh, he's got something more than just uh, a basic cold or the flu. So we'll uh, we'll see him next week. Uh, with that, guys. I mentioned earlier in the video, this past week, we filmed and recorded the 2024 housing forecast on the Educated Home Buyer podcast YouTube channel, as well as on Spotify and Apple and all the other places you get your, your podcast. So if you haven't heard it, it's Josh and I's take on where prices are headed, where rates are headed, where you know buyer demand, number of transactions, essentially where the housing market is headed in 2024. Um, we also talk about some expert opinions in in on top of that, not just our opinion. So if you haven't listened to that, go check it out. Um, share it with somebody you know that is looking to buy or sell real estate in 2024. Uh, and like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Trying to grow that channel along with this channel. Trying to hit 100,000 on this channel. And that channel, we're just under 3,000. So um, we're trying to get to 10,000 this year to see if that's possible, right? We're trying to grow that channel as well. So podcast is doing really well. All right, guys. Uh, let's see here. Um, ha when says, hi, Jeb with restriction placed on landlords in California, do you recommend newbies to get into real estate rental? So the, the, the restriction placed on landlords, isn't enough to discourage investment in California real estate. Um, investment in any real estate, regardless of what state you in comes down to your tenants. Right. And, and it, it less of it comes down to the restrictions placed in that area. Right. So California, now there's a restriction that you can only ask for one month of deposit uh, when when doing a rental. You know, I don't know if any other restrictions that we're talking about here, but, um, you know, California real estate typically appreciates more than any other state out there. It's more expensive to get in, though, because it requires a larger down payment, which means Cash flow could be tough depending on how much money you're putting down. Investment in other areas of the country, it's easier to get into, requires less of a down payment. Typically have a little bit more cash flow than you would here in California, but those markets don't appreciate like California. So you have to decide, do you want cash flow or do you want appreciation? Now, in some cases you can get both and do an Airbnb, um, but you have to figure all that out, right? We're not, we're not diving into that at the moment. So with that, I would say no reason not to get into investment if you have the opportunity to do it and, and it makes sense to you, right? If you have the money for a down payment, the numbers make sense to you, fantastic. But sometimes it makes sense to take that money and buy two properties out of state, you know, just based on what your goals are, right? So you need to figure out your goals, but 
California has a lot of crazy regulations, a lot. Um, and, you know, that's the reason high taxes, high prices, crazy uh, super majority in the state with regards to, to politics. I mean, none of this stuff you want. It's, it's garbage. But we have weather. We have great weather for the most part. I took my kids snowboarding two hours away. Was back within two hours at the beach. I live at the beach. Fantastic. You can't do that anywhere else in the country. So I pay a higher price. I deal with all this craziness. I focus on what I can control. Don't deal with all the, the nut jobs out there. And life's great. If you get focused on all that crap, you'll drive yourself crazy. Don't do that. Focus on what you can control. How's that? All right. Um, <clears throat> if a builder's lender offers a free refinance within two years of closing, do you have to go through the entire qualification process again? The answer is yes, but let me help you here. There's no such thing as a free refinance. No lender is offering a free refinance. Um, now what they may be doing is charging you so much money up front on the first refinance that they can cover the second refinance, or they're not going to give you the best rate that you can possibly get on the second refinance to cover the cost that it would normally charge you for that loan. So there's no such thing as a free refinance. Understand that anybody offering that it's a marketing gimmick to get you to use them and come back to them in the future for another loan. And what they'll do is they'll do the next loan. And they'll give you a little bit higher rate and they'll take that cost and cover the, the deal. Whereas you might be able to go to another lender and get a lower rate because they're not having that fee to cover it. So what I would say is anybody offering the free refinance deal is probably not the lender that you want to go to to begin with. If that's their advertisement, their property, they're probably, probably not certain, probably more of a gimmick type marketing company. They're not professionals. They're just out there marketing to get business with the idea that, hey, you either will forget and go somewhere else, or rates will be low enough that they can offer a higher rate and cover that cost. Just my thoughts might be wrong, but that's the, that's where I would go with that. Um, let's see here. We're going to get a couple more questions before we wrap this up. 140 people watching. 140 people. This is, same, this is higher than when Josh is here. So clearly Josh is the problem. Josh is the problem here. I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be, considering we got more people here than when he's here, right? Makes sense. Um, let's see. Kamek, Kamek, love the show. Thank you for that. Any hot takes on the single family housing market for Coachella Valley for 2024? Uh, Cathedral City specifically, not for investment, looking to high tell it out of LA with my husband. I don't know that market well enough to be able to advise you on real estate. What I do know is that areas like Palm Springs, Coachella Valley, um, those markets typically have more inventory than, say, in Orange County and or, um, you know, a Riverside or what have you. They just it's it's a vast area, a lot of property, um, a lot of seniors, a lot of people passing along, passing away, rather properties become available, that sort of thing. So um, I would say it's probably a stable stable market more so than anything else. You don't see huge appreciation out there typically, um, but you also don't see property values plummet either. Um, you know, I, I don't really have a take for you. I have a good agent out there if you need to talk to one. Uh, but if you're looking out there, I would say just look at what prices have done. Uh, you know, I don't expect inventory to increase in any substantial way. And I also don't expect it to go down in any substantial way either. Um, it would just be normal seasonality to the market. Now, understand that market's a little bit different. During the summer, you're probably going to see more inventory come on the market during that period of time because less people are interested in being out there. 
right? That's not the hot market for them. The hot market for them is when it's cool outside, when you have snowbirds coming down from Canada and from these colder places that want to buy real estate. That's the hotter market for that. So depending on when you're looking to buy, there might be opportunities out there, but that's all I got. That's all I got. All right, guys, um, it is 5.59. Uh, I want to take a minute here and ask a favor. I have a goal this year of helping 30 families buy, sell, or invest in real estate. With that, you're probably watching this. You're out of state. You can't help me. Um, but if you're local and you know somebody looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, maybe you're local, you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, I would love the opportunity to help you do that. Um, my contact information is in the description of the video. You can reach out to me directly. The link will also get to, to me, the one scrolling on the bottom. Uh, but maybe you're looking to buy in another state, want a referral there, that link will get you there in addition to getting you in touch with a mortgage professional anywhere across the country. Uh, so if you want to pre-approved, you want to figure out if you can refinance, you want to see where you are, what's possible, what's not possible, check that referral link. And lastly, thank you guys. Thank you for the support. Um, 2023 was a great year. I'm fortunate to to be here to be able to do this, um, even with you know family concerns and all of that. I'm grateful and uh, thankful for you guys. So if you find any value here, hit the thumbs up, like the channel, subscribe, go check out the Educated Homebuyer podcast. But until next time, guys, adios. Thanks for listening to the Educated Homebuyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube and make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.